0: But here's my opinion, that as women, as moms, as children of God, we are ever growing and being transformed very simply through our role as being a mom. And it's our beloved children that He uses to transform us into His image. And it doesn't matter whether they're three years old, whether they're 15 years old, whether they're 30 years old, whether they're married, whether they're single. It's how God grows us and it's how He uses us.
1: Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope found in Jesus. I'm Robin, and I am here with Lindy and Katie, and we are your podcast hosts. Today, we are bringing you a story that many, many, many of you have requested this topic, and we hope the timing is perfect, Mm -hmm. on the transition of having your children in your home to them going to college. And Sand Price shared in our Homewood gathering about this very thing about releasing all four of her children. Yes, she does share about her
2: children going off to college. In fact, we titled it My Empty Nest Journey. But I'm going to tell you, if you're a mom... You just want to listen to it Mm -hmm. because she gives so much advice on how to parent your children individually, how you need to recognize that they are a gift from God, and most importantly, how you need to learn how to nurture the character that God has given them. So there's so many nuggets of truth. I say have pen and paper ready for this one. Oh, for
1: sure.
3: (laughs) I can't wait for everybody to hear Sam's story because it really is incredible. And guess what? Summer is here. We are in the throes of summer already. We do want to remind you that if you are looking for a Bible study, maybe to do with a few friends on your street or in your neighborhood, go to our website and order when God shows up stories of freedom. We've gotten so much incredible feedback on this Bible study and how it is breaking down walls among women and transparency is being created. Friendships are being built. And so we want you to experience that. Go to storytellerslive.org and order it today. Here's sand.
0: I almost called the team this morning and said, can we diverge and open up with worship? I wish you could have all been in the shower with me this morning (laughs) as I was worshiping uh, to the goodness of the Lord. The past six weeks have been really hard for me. I've had a lot of medical issues, a lot of treatments and procedures, and it's been very draining. I've had two people in the last two days tell me that I looked very pale, but today I look like I've been to the beach because thank goodness for makeup. <laughs> I didn't want anybody sitting here looking at me like, oh my gosh, she looks sick. You know? We need to get her to the doctor. But I mean, y'all the words of this song, when my heart is heavy and when my bones are weak, when I cannot stand up, your love will carry me. When this fear I'm fighting feels like sure defeat, I'll run and hide in the love you offer me when my soul is weary and when my spirit's dry, which has been exactly where I've been, i so often wonder, but you never leave my side. The goodness of the Lord, it never fails us. It overwhelms us. It's always true. And it will see me through. And honestly, it is the goodness of the Lord that is enabling me to be here this morning to share with you my story. As I look around the room, I doubt that many of you are in the stage of emptying your nest, but I think that's what's so beautiful about this ministry. It really doesn't matter what the topic is. Um, As women share their stories, it opens our eyes, the eyes of our heart, to the living God, to the God who is in and through all things, who redeems all things, who uses all things for our good. And for his glory. And it's really my hope that today, as I share my story, that he would be glorified and that he would be lifted up in sharing my story about emptying my nest. I realized that I really should rephrase that to, um, rather than emptying my nest, it's more the letting go of my children. And that's the story that I want to share with y'all today. For me, that was really, really hard. I was not raised in a Christian home, My family was not very close. It was not very connected. My parents were not very involved in my life or my children's life. Um, They didn't teach us right from wrong values or morals in any sort of way. And I would say from a very young age, we pretty much were free to come and go as we please. There was very little supervision. Now, I will say, you know, my mom cooked three meals a day and she made sure that I had everything that I needed for school for, you know, activities, all that kind of thing. But when you think of a mom in terms of nurturing and caring, that's not who she was. And just the warmth, the uh, affection, the the listening, the comforting, and just being there in that way, that was not really true of my mom. And that was not my experience growing up. I was not allowed to cry. And I learned early on that to need was really weakness, that that was wrong. And it was years before I learned and realized that it was okay to need other people. Um, I just... Understood that if life got rough, you're just supposed to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you just figure it out and you just press in and that you just live and you do it. So, um, we rarely did anything as a family. The only really memory that I have was our annual trip to Panama City Beach and it was fun. We had a bonfire every night and we would sing and we would dance and party and. It just was a lot of fun. And I'm actually very grateful that my family, my parents, did teach me um, to really enjoy life, to have fun, and to enjoy people. I mean, that was one thing that they gave me that was very positive. But when that trip was over, I just remember being so sad. Because it was the only time that I really felt any sense of warmth, of love, and, and just joy of being a family. I mean... The rest of my days, that's not what my experience was. So needless to say, my childhood experience really created a deep longing in me for connection, for belonging, and for family. So from the moment that I professed faith in Christ, which was in 10th grade through Young Life, I just determined that I just wanted to have a family, a Christian family, where everybody loved each other and everybody loved God. And that was all that really mattered to me. And I set my sights on that. I was going to find that godly man, and we were going to have lots of kids, and we were going to teach them. I was going to give them everything that I had, that they would know the Lord, and that they would grow up to know God, and um, to know how to walk with Him, and just have faith in God. And I was determined that that was going to be true for me. Now, there's nothing wrong with that that goal or that desire, but it was born out of a desperate need for connection, a desperate need to belong. And I learned later a desperate need for connection ultimately with my father, my heavenly father. But I was putting it all towards my family and um, looking in that way. I have learned in recent years that the gospel is really multifaceted. And this has been a big thing for me Beyond the forgiveness of God that is granted to us on the cross through Jesus Christ, the gospel for me was a doorway to intimacy with the Father. The gospel for me was God noticing me instead of overlooking me or ignoring me and and noticing me and then inviting me into His family to belong and giving me a purpose and a a value and just a meaning for my life. That's really what the gospel has meant to me. But it took many, many years for me to really realize that and to really embrace that truth. I also would say that my goal for this just wonderful Christian family, it really fell short of God's kingdom purposes for me and for my children, and for my family. But God, in his grace, granted me the family that I so long for. At the very young age of 23, (laughs) 14 months after graduating from college and marrying my husband, I gave birth to my first child, Oscar. About two and a half years later, after my first miscarriage, uh, the Lord blessed us with Timothy. And then after Timothy, I had three more miscarriages, and then we welcomed Bradford into our life. And then Elizabeth was actually kind of a surprise, but um, our family was complete at that point. And I'll just say this. I loved being married. I loved being a mom. I loved everything about it. I adored my children and I was fully invested and just gave them everything that I had. Um, And just enjoyed everything that our little life of six brought us, which is wonderful because God gives us all things to enjoy. And and our children are a gift from the Lord. However, it was very sobering for me when I came to understand what Psalms 127 says. Behold, children are heritage, a gift from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward, a gift. Granted by God, but a heritage, meaning that they belong to someone. And as believers, they belong to God. And he goes on to say, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is filled with them. Well, for me, I felt like that my quiver was full, but I began to consider what is the blessing here that God is talking about? The blessing is also the privilege of preparing and aiming those arrows to be sent forth in the direction that God intends. It is the nurturing of each one of them according to their character, their design, and who God intended for them to be and the purpose that God had for them. And so it was the releasing of them. Now, the nurturing part, I got that. I was clearly devoted to that. But the releasing of my arrows, if I'm honest, I didn't want anything to change about our family. I didn't want anything to change about our children and our little world of us. And I didn't want to release my children. I didn't want to release them to to God, to the world, to anybody. I wanted everything to stay the same, okay? Probably forever. So by God's design, the releasing of those arrows became quite a journey for me, especially since he's calling us to be the warriors, us to be the ones to release and send them off. He wasn't going to take them from me. He was calling me to let go and to send them off according to his purposes and his plans. Well, as a young mom, though, I was very invested in the discipleship of my children. I was going to give them everything. I was going to make sure they knew the Lord. They knew the Word of God. They knew how to walk in relationship with God. We memorized scripture. We had family devotionals. We had morning devotionals before I sent them off to school. I was primed to seize every experience, every opportunity to show them God, that they would know Him and that they would you know, love Him and grow in Him. And that's all well and good. But I was deceived in two ways. I was deceived into believing that if my children were going to know and love the Lord, it was up to me. It was up to me to lead them, to teach them, to guide them. I had to get it right. And then I also was deceived into believing that if I got it right, they were going to be the perfect little children that look and act like Christians, and we were going to be that family. We were going to be that perfect little family, Christian family that everybody looked to. Now, on the other side, if they didn't look right and act right, then it was going to be my fault. And I was going to be a failure as a mom. And I carried that very deeply in my heart. Well, all is going as planned. Everybody loves everybody. Everybody loves Jesus. And we're just cruising along and we're doing great until... My children decided that they would think for themselves, (laughs) that they would create their own beliefs, that they would spread their wings, and they would pretty much leave me in the dust. And I began to realize at that point that I had lost control and that I was losing my influence in their life. And I will have to tell you that we no longer look like the perfect little Christian family. There was even a point where my husband, as an elder in our church, went to our pastor and said, do I need to step down? Because of the scripture that teaches about what an elder is and and having control of your family, and, and that was not true for us anymore. And it was a really scary time. It was very threatening. Now, it was manifested in different ways with all four of our children, but it started with our second child. At our church... Our favorite week as a family was the missions conference. We didn't miss a night and everybody loved it, our children included. And one night, what well, was the last night of that conference? Um, the speaker said, I don't normally do this, but I feel led to extend an altar call for anybody that would come forth that is feeling called to full-time missions or ministry in any way. Well, our children were sitting with the youth group, and my husband and I are just sitting there, and all of a sudden, our son is walking down the aisle. No one else in the church came forth that night. That was the beginning of God's call on our son's life. But what happened after that is he began to spiral down into the world and away from God. And for six years, Our son was lost in the pursuit of the world. I will have to say, it was a very difficult time in our life. And the reality is, apart from strapping your son or your child to their bed, when they're in high school and college, you can only control so much. And so he is living his life lost in the world. I hurt for his heart. I hurt for his soul. I longed for him to come back to the Lord. I feared for his life every day of those six years. There was nothing that I could do to rescue him, to reach him, to save him. Nothing except to surrender him to the Lord. And I think it's true that when we actually lose complete control It's then that we are able to really grab hold of the only one that really is in control. And the one that was holding my son in the palm of his hand all the while as he was running from God and pursuing the world in every unimaginable way. I worshiped and I prayed every day and I cried a lot. As I went about my life, taking care of my other children and our home and all the things that you do as a wife and a mom, I would just be weeping and worshiping and just pleading before the father for the sake of his life. But most significantly, I think what went on in those years is that I released all of my children to the Lord. I opened up my heart. I opened up my hands And my prayer just became, Father, they're yours. They're not mine to hold on to. Help me to come alongside you in what you are working in their life. As you are drawing them to yourself, let me join you in what you are about and the work that you are doing to shape them and to grow them and to design them to be everything that you've called them to. I gave my children the freedom to seek God or not. To love God or not. To participate in the fellowship of the church or not. And just let go of them in that way. My goal became very simple. Lord, I just want them to know you. I want them to love you, and I want them to know how much you love them. And I'm going to do my part on my knees. And that is where I lived. Now, God gave me unique opportunities to grow in this this releasing of them with each child. Um, With our oldest child, I came to realize that we had done a bang-up job of parenting him in legalistic performance Christianity. And being the oldest child, he was that good little get-it-right child. He was a perfect little Pharisee. (laughs) And I released him and entrusted him to the Lord to know God from his heart. And I'll have to tell you, I had more faith for God to rescue my son that was lost in the world than I did for God to reach my son that was a believer. And, and he loved God, but it was all here. And I didn't have a lot of faith for God ever reaching his heart. And it was many years later that my son found the Lord from his heart alongside his bride. And it was really a beautiful thing to watch. Our third son had a deep faith in God throughout all of high school and, and, and truly walked with God. And then he had a crisis of faith his freshman year in college. And he was running from God, and he was dabbling in the world, and we knew it. He was living with his older brother and, and at that point, he was walking with God, and, and, and we knew what was going on, but we just continued to love him and to accept him and just entrust him to the Lord. And God, in the most bizarre way, the gift of that anesthesia they give you when you have your wisdom teeth out, he revealed his whole life to us and told us everything, and um It was really funny. uh, (laughs) And um, the next day we talked about that. But because we had released him to the Lord and because he knew that we accepted him and loved him, whether he was a Christian or not, whether he walked with God or not, he was free to just really share with me his heart and how he was just so disappointed in God and how he was just hurting and how lost he was, and how even his pursuit of the world was not satisfying him. And I was able to look at him and just tell him, you know, it's okay. You're okay. You're going to be okay. You and God are going to figure this out. And send him back off to college and to figure it out, and he did. My husband always says that he prayed that our children would know and love the Lord, and that they would walk with him and serve him for all their days. But he also always says that if he knew what it was going to take for them to get there, he might have said, you know what, God, I'm really good with just good kids. You know, they don't really have to love you. They you know, they don't really have to walk with you and serve with you all their days. I'm okay with a good kid. Letting go of my children proved to be one of the most challenging things in my life until I realized that I wasn't really letting them go, that I was releasing them to the good and perfect will of the Father, who had an amazing plan for their life and purpose for their life that He created and designed before they even were born. And, y'all, we don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. And far be it from me to try and make that happen and to create that, But he did, and I was able to release them to his plans as his purposes and learned that at an early age, he uses all things to shape them, to grow, them, to mature them. When they don't make the team, when they have a learning disability, when they get bullied or when they are the bully, when they don't get into the college of their choice, all the hard things, the disappointments, or all the good things, all the successes when they do make the team, when they are the, you know, most popular kid, or, you know, they get the award of being the best all around, whatever it is. He's using all those things for their good to shape them and for his purposes. If we don't get in the way, if we let him, if we don't always rescue them, But we allow God to be God in their lives. So it comes to the last child and our only daughter and the one who had allowed me the privilege of discipling her and all of her friends throughout all of high school. It was a very special relationship. It still is. She is my best friend. But I will have to tell you that there were some rough years in there. Years when I was looking to her for my value. I needed her to need me. I needed her to love me. I needed her to like me as a friend and as a mom, but as a friend. And when she chose her friends as she should, it felt like rejection to me. It felt like the rejection that I had known my whole childhood from my mom, from my parents, from my family. And I was clinging to her and I wasn't allowing her to become her own person. And she felt it. She was carrying the weight of my happiness and my well-being. And then God, or shall I say, but God, because those are my two favorite words in the Bible. Through some very deep, intentional healing, counseling, and prayer, I was able to release her and to bless her, to live her life apart from me. And if she were here today, she would testify to the amazing gift that that was to her. She Felt that. She felt when I released her to pursue all of what God had for her and to become the beautiful person that she is. And it was a real blessing for her and a blessing for me. Well, evidently, there's the letting go of your children spiritually and emotionally. And then there's the letting go of them physically when they actually leave the nest. And as if the other wasn't enough challenge for me. This really was profoundly a time in my life when the Lord really used this to draw me to Himself and to deepen my intimacy with Him. When each of our children left for college, it was actually sad. We loved our little family of six, and we felt their absence, and we all really grieved that when they left. But it was time. And we found our rhythm, and somebody else would rise up to shine, and we'd go, oh, this is actually good. You know, this is the way it's supposed to be. But when it came time for Elizabeth to leave, she is the last one, and senior year rolls around, and all I could hear was, last track meet, last concert, last this, last that. Everything became last, last everything, and y'all a sadness just came over me and it was i mean i just it was like a cloud that was hanging over me it just was had a grip on my soul and i felt it and i carried it every day and i could not pray it away i couldn't reason it away it just was there and it was very real to me and i had never really been somebody to deal with depression But I think this is what it is, or at least I thought this must be what it is, because you can't make any sense of it. And it's like somebody just kind of plops in your body and takes control of you. And it was really, really hard. And I tried to hide it from my daughter. And there was no rhyme or reason to it, though. It just would happen to me. And it was just there. I cried a lot there again, I'm crying again. You know, I'd cry a lot. And I will say this, my sweet husband and anybody that knows him knows he loves taking care of me. He did not I know what to do with me. I mean, he thought, empty nest, This is going to be amazing. This is going to be great. And he was left with the most emotionally wrecked wife there could ever be, you know. And he didn't understand. But y'all, my Heavenly Father, who saw it all, He understood it all, even when I didn't understand what was going on with my feelings, and, and He was there for me to grieve, and He didn't say, "Sand, get it together. You are so blessed. You know, get hold of yourself. He just held me, and He let me cry, and He just let me be and just feel what I was feeling, You know, Psalm 62, 8 is one of my favorite verses. And in that verse, it says, trust in him at all times. We all get that. You know, he's calling us to trust him with everything at all times. But he goes on to say, to bring him your heart. And he's acknowledging what we feel. He says, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. So trusting him and yet deep pain and sadness can be a part of us at the same time. I cried out to him and he reminded me of his promises from Jeremiah, that he had plans for my welfare, not for calamity, to give me a future and a hope, that he would turn my mourning into joy and comfort me and give me joy for my sorrow, that he will fill the soul of priest with abundance and his people will be satisfied with his goodness. He will satisfy the weary soul and every languishing soul he will replenish. Even the soul of a very blessed, but a heartbroken mom that's sending her last child off to college. You know, Psalms 84 says, The Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Father, I'm counting on that. I'm counting that you're going to withhold nothing good to me in this time. His loving kindnesses indeed never cease. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. Good morning, Lord. It's me again. I'm sad. I really miss my girl. I'm counting on you showing me your faithfulness today. I need you today. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. He will rise up to show your compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for Him since He will never fail them. You know, our pain whether it's great or small, and y'all, we don't want to minimize it. We don't want to rationalize it. Pain is pain, and loss is loss. And it causes us to seek God more desperately. And so in that, pain is a gift. Pain is a gift that He gives to us. And when we cry out to Him, we're positioning ourselves to receive from Him the treasures of darkness that He speaks of in Isaiah, that He has for us. If we will come to him, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 29 says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Look at what he's offering us. He's offering us a burden lifted. He's offering us rest for our souls, a peaceful way of living. Everything that comes into our life is filtered through the hands of a loving father who wants to bless and enrich our lives and give to us, even in the hard. God had grown my faith um, and taught me through the letting go of my children as they lost their way in life. And he taught me to trust him then. But through this, he was teaching me to trust him not only with them, but with my heart and with my emotions. And I just want to say, I don't know all of you, but if you are here and you are a single parent, empty nesting is only magnified, the pain of that. Because you send your child off to college And you come home at the end of the day to an empty home. And that is hard. And I I feel that for you. I, I really cannot even imagine. But the story doesn't end there because it's one thing to send your children off to college to empty your nest, it is quite another to marry them and to send them off to the real world. Never to return to your home again, to their bedroom, to your family in the same way. We had three weddings in three years and we have three beautiful, wonderful daughter-in-laws and we are so blessed. But I'm going to tell you, it's an adjustment to grow your family. It's an adjustment for you, for your children and for your family. Growing a family changes everything and change is hard, even though it is a blessing it brings hardships. After the last wedding, um, we took our family on vacation to Hilton Head. and so all the three couples are loving each other in the water. and you know, I'm thinking too much PDA, whatever. But, um, I'm sitting on the beach with my daughter who is still in college, and she looks at me and she said, Mom, I didn't know this was going to be so hard. And what she was saying is, the blessed invasion of these (laughs) beautiful people into our world. We were no longer our little six. We weren't an us anymore. And she was an adored younger sister. And now her older brother's were focused on as they should be and devoted to their wives. And so she had lost her three best friends. And I looked at her and I said, you know what? I didn't know it was going to be this hard either. (laughs) Everybody just talks about, oh, they're engaged, they're getting married, it's so wonderful. And I'm like, there's another part to that, you know? And I didn't know it was going to be that hard either. But I looked at her and I said, Elizabeth, we are going to learn to love like Jesus. And we are going to be the better for it. And our family is going to be all the more beautiful because the gift of who God has brought to us. Your sister in law, it's my daughter in law's. Okay, well, three years later, we move Elizabeth to Washington, D.C. That summer before she moved was the first time since high school senior year that she lived at home. It was so fun. We watched chick flicks. We helped each other with our fashion and dressing and all. And we just loved being together and had late night talks and just deep spiritual connection. But I knew it was a tease. I knew that she was leaving and that this was going to hit me hard. Well, Elizabeth had inherited a lot of furniture. And so we decided, hey, I think we just need to pack it up and send it with you. So we cleaned out her closet, we cleaned out her drawers. Everything that she owned, we put on that truck, and we moved her to Washington, D.C. Well, guess where it hit me? In the Reagan National Airport. (laughs) I am sitting on the floor, weeping sobbing. And I thought, well, you know what? Everybody's just going to think that somebody died
1: and that's okay.
0: (laughs) And I'm just going to sit here and just weep and weep and weep and cry and cry and cry. Um, And so I thought to myself, you know what? When I get home tonight, I'm just going to get to bed and I'm just going to cry myself to sleep. And so I got in bed and I shed a tear and I couldn't cry anymore. And I was like, okay. I thought, am I okay? (laughs) Wow. You know, Maybe I'm okay. Well, the next day I cleaned the dinner dishes. It was just the two of us and I cried. And then I walked by her empty bedroom and I cried, but it was different this time. I really knew God, you have seen me through this. You have been there for me. I have known your loving kindness in this loss, in this pain. And I really am okay. And I really am going to be okay. And I am so happy that she is pursuing her life and her career. Well, I'm really thinking that I'm done with all the relational and the familial emotion. But here's my opinion. That as women... As moms, as children of God, we are ever growing and being transformed very simply through our role as being a mom. And it's our beloved children that he uses to transform us into his image. And it doesn't matter whether they're three years old, whether they're 15 years old, whether they're 30 years old, whether they're married, whether they're single. It's how God grows us and it's how he uses us. Elizabeth met her husband in D.C. She married him. She moved to Charlottesville. But the first time she came home, guess what? he came with her. (laughs) And it just wasn't the same. I love him. And he has fit into our family beautifully. But when she comes, he comes. (laughs) Or when my son comes, she comes. And it just is so different. And it, it, it isn't the same. And so our family, though, is complete now. And we're settled in all our little places. And you'd think that I would have adjusted and that I wouldn't cry anymore. (laughs) And yet I cry every time I leave my son and his wife and my four grandchildren who live in Durham. I cry when I leave Charlottesville and my daughter and her three sons. There was one time when he was three years old. He's six years, seven years old now. And we're leaving, I'm leaving, I'm going through security at the airport. And he comes running, like breaking through security at three years old. And he's like, these big old crocodile tears just running down his face. And he said, honey, I'm going to miss you. I need another hug. And I mean, you can only imagine who and what I am going through security. And I mean, I cry every time they come to Birmingham and they leave. And I know that I'm not going to see him again for three or four months. I've grown accustomed to the deep wave of emotion that comes over me, um, that makes me feel like I'm really not myself, um, and I give myself grace in that. I don't beat myself up in it. I may just go on the sofa and watch Gilmore Girls, and you know, eat a bunch of snack food and whatever, and and know that I'm going to be okay tomorrow. It's going to be okay. And I really don't even have time to stay on the sofa. My life is so full. I really don't have time for my 13 grandchildren. (laughs) My life is so full and just all of what God has given me in this season of life with everyone gone. But I want to close with the latest addition to what I still refer to as my emptying nest journey. There's no more nest empty. But over the past 20 years, and I would say specifically the last four years, I've experienced these emotional waves that just kind of come over me, this deep sadness and depression. It doesn't always happen, so I don't declare it over myself, and I don't expect it, but it does happen a lot, and it seems more frequently, and I don't exactly know why, except that I know it is related to connection. It's related to my connection with people, with my family, or the lack thereof. And that is obviously a theme in my life. But in the most recent times, I have sensed the Lord calling me to come to him, to connect with him. And there's nothing wrong with crying and watching my show and eating chocolates, whatever it is. But he's been challenging me to come to him in the midst of it, in the now. It's as if he's saying to me, sand, i want you to come to me right now when you're afraid when you're weeping when you don't understand your emotions when you don't feel like yourself and you know you might be thinking well in that what the whole thing you've been saying here of what god, god calling you to connect with him but the thing is i didn't realize that i was taking a detour and he's really calling me to not take that detour to just kind of escape what I'm feeling, but to really come to Him in the moment. And I'll be honest with you, it's a step of faith for me. It's a step for me to say, okay, I'm here. I'm really sad. And I really don't like what I'm feeling. And, And like, what if you aren't enough? What if you don't meet me? What if you don't take care of what it is that I'm feeling? What if tomorrow when I wake up, I'm not Okay. What if I'm still really sad and really depressed? But he has been faithful, and he just continues to draw me. And even when I do go to him first, he often lets me have my veg day on the sofa. (laughs) My life verse is Psalm 73, 28. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. You and I were created for intimacy with the Father. We may seek it in all other places, but that's what we're created for, intimacy with Him. And He is going to use all circumstances, all relationships, all losses, even the letting go of your children to their life, to college, to marriage, to be their own people, their own families. He's going to use all those things to draw us into intimate fellowship with Him. And that is my story. and. God is writing your story. You know, you may be somebody that just sends your children off and just delight in the life that God gives you. But whatever it is, God's writing your story, and I know that it is a story that is drawing you to intimacy with Him. And I really bless you to run to Him in all things, and first, and always and find him to be just the faithful shepherd God that he is.
1: Katie, you talked at the beginning of Sam's story about get your pen and paper. She had so much wisdom. And if you are a Patreon insider, today is your lucky day, because <laughs> there was a Q&A afterwards where people asked Sand really great questions of practical tips and how to parent their children if your children are younger. And she really went into a lot of detail. And we're going to post all the questions and answers over on Patreon today. And so if you're a Patreon insider, this is, this is a great day for you.
2: <laughs> you know, as Sand ended her story, she ended with Psalm seventy three twenty eight, And I just wanted to read this to you guys. It says, but as for me how good it is to be near god i have made the sovereign lord my shelter and i will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do and that's exactly what sand did for us today in her story you know we used the quote at the beginning of the podcast today that i thought summed up so much of everything that she was saying and that is as moms you know really as parents God uses our children to transform us mm-hmm. into the image of Christ. And I totally agree with her. Whether my children were three years old or 15 or 24, He is still using them to shape me into the image of Christ and to remind me of the importance of placing Him first in my life, not my children, not my family. And I think that's one thing that Sand just kept. It was a theme of her story of how she just craved that connection. And so she went to her family to find it
1: instead of to God. You know, having kids really close to this age where my oldest is now finishing up his sophomore year in high school, I can really relate to so much of what she's saying and just seeing these years to come. And it almost was, I don't want to say a warning signal, but maybe Mm. of, hey, this is the natural flow Mm. of life where you want to hold on to all the moments and not forget anything. But at the same time, I could appreciate the gift that our children are a gift to give back and that it's not up to us, right? You know, their lives are not up to us and our parenting.
3: There's a quote flying around social media right now that says, you know, your job as a parent is to raise your children so that they are ready to leave. And the hardest part of parenting is when you're successful. Mm. And so as someone Mm. who has watched her children be released. Mm -hmm. I love how Sand said, Mm -hmm. I wasn't letting go. I was releasing them going back to that verse about the arrows, you know, everything that she talked about, I could relate to. As a matter of fact, I was talking to some younger moms this past weekend. And I said, you know, people don't prepare you for the physical part. It's the afternoons at five Mm o'clock when no one is needing dinner. Mm -hmm. It's at 10pm, 11pm, 12pm, wherever stage you're in, where no one's coming home. Yeah. And yeah. so that lack of need, someone has yeah. always needed you. And so going to the Father mm-hmm. and just placing that at his feet. And Sand wrapped it up so beautifully, saying, don't distract in other ways, don't divert but go immediately to him with yes. that need.
1: Mm-hmm. That was something I wrote down too, is that she said she was going to the Lord, but she was taking a detour to escape what she was feeling before she got there. And there's there. nothing wrong yeah. with feel more girls in chocolate. That is my life. I'm like, Lord, I'm going to get there, but let me detour first. Right. Let me decompress first. And so I can appreciate that her being in this stage of life is still learning mm-hmm. that. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, well, that feels good to me. And oh. I love that she said, I did a bang up job in uh,
3: legalistic performance Christianity. I was like, Ooh, (laughs) Yes, I've been there. I have been there. And one of the things uh, that she talks about later is just parenting their hearts.
2: Well, and also, you know, she she spoke about like living in a posture of being on your knees. And I think so often we think of prayer as just being so passive. Am I really Mm -hmm. doing anything? Like we want to take action and really try to fix things Uh, for our children. And really that posture of being on our knees is such an act of faith and trust in God and positioning ourselves for God to not only work for our children, but work in our hearts as well to to open up our hands and be able to release, like Sand said. There are so many parts of her story that honestly connected with when I shared my story of just right. you know, that God is writing their testimony, we are not. And it is hard as a mom to sit in the the weeks, the months, the years where God is working, and we don't know He is, but He is working
3: also just wanted to say I was so touched that she just that she took a moment and talked to single parents. There's, Me too. you know, if you have family members that are single parents, it is yeah, difficult. So hard. And so I just appreciated that she she touched on that as well.
1: Well, I took tons of notes on this story. I will be reflecting back mm-hmm. as I continue for the next six years, this <laughs> journey of emptying my nest. Oh. <laughs> but um, so I'm so thankful to Sand for all of her wisdom. And listen, next week's story, we have Natalie Warren, who falls right in line with us on trusting God with your children. She shares a story of, of her son in a medical crisis. and you learn a lot of the same things in a different way. Yeah. And so it's fun how God puts these stories together for us. We hope you're having an amazing start to be your summer. And we will talk to you next week. Bye.